the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. The White House has been expressing regret over the way in which Qurans were disposed of in Afghanistan. Now, you might recall a couple of three years ago, maybe four years ago, Pallets of New Testaments were sent to Afghanistan by Christian organization here in America to be available to distribution to members of the United States military. The very presence of God's word on Afghan soil made the Afghanis so upset that in order to deal with the controversy, the United States military burned them didn't put them back on a plane and ship them back to the States. They just set them on fire. Nobody said a word. We complained about it on this program. Few others covered the story. Largely, nobody said a word. Now, the White House is doing a lot of hand-wringing over this entire issue because it seems as if uh, there's major concerns over the fact that the United States military improperly, quote-unquote, disposed of copies of the Koran in Afghanistan. In fact, there's uh, been some statements made by uh, General John Allen, commander for the International Security Assistance Force, offering his sincere apologies over what transpired. ISAF personnel at Bagram Air Base improperly disposed of a large number of Islamic religious materials, which included Korans. We immediately intervened and stopped them. The materials recovered will be properly handled by appropriate religious authorities. We are thoroughly investigating the incident, and we are taking steps to ensure this does not ever happen again. Of course, it's their country, and I guess they can have their own rules with regard to Sharia law and so forth. But I just find it quite ironic that uh, they had no issue with the burning of thousands of Bibles, and yet Qurans being disposed of inappropriately... And everything in the United States military comes to a grinding halt. Walid Shobat joins us now. He himself is the author of a number of best-selling books, including Dear Muslim, Let Me Tell You Why I Believed, uh, Israel and the World's Mock Trial, and his latest book, God's War on Terror. And Walid, great to have you back on the program. Thank you for having me. What is uh, first your reaction to this news uh, coming out of Afghanistan with regards to the apologies and the mea culpas in the handling of these Qurans? Well, it's very shocking. Uh, we've had those kind of apologies uh, happen when, uh, I believe, also military servicemen urinated on dead terrorists, yet that's a major issue. Yet the killing of Americans or even the invitation of uh, the uh, 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 Prime Minister of Transportation of Iraq, which was involved, who was involved in the Khobar Tower massacres, killing American servicemen, uh, he's welcome to the White House. You know, those kind of things is beginning to show the American people that there is uh, a double standard here. 
in which the Obama administration uh, suppresses uh, the issues that relate to the American people's rights to investigate even the 9-11 issues in which uh, Judge Daniels, a uh, federal judge in the Havlish case, discovered that Iran is involved in 9-11, in which uh, agents of the Iranian regime, uh, like Hadi Al-Amri, visits the White House, and of course the president uh, releases, uh, sends back, I guess, our troops uh, as a Christmas present, yet ignoring those issues of persecution of Christians globally in Egypt, uh, in Iraq, uh, in much of the Muslim world, uh, in which, uh, let's face it, I mean, there is thousands of cases in which Islamists burned uh, Bibles, uh, even in historical uh, recent times, uh, and even back to the Damur massacre in Lebanon, in which they used them for toilet paper. They used Bibles for toilet paper. Let's not forget the destruction of holy sites, even in Israel. Nothing was done by our administration in which uh, even Joseph's tomb was desecrated and Torah scrolls were defecated on and uh, things that are is very difficult to describe on the program. Instead of addressing the major issues that we have, you know, uh, in which the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt are advancing through deception, that's a subject we'd love to discuss on your show, in which they use uh, uh, what is called Muruna to twist the... Uh, Sharia laws itself and permit Muslims from carrying out all kinds of evil activities. Well, let's talk about what's going on there, uh, since you brought it up. Uh, we, we all know, of course, 30 years ago, the assassination of Anwar Sadat, largely because he dared to enter into a peace agreement uh, with the nation of Israel. Um, for the course of the following 30 years, Hosni Mubarak, granted while somewhat uh, favorable or friendly with uh, the West, nevertheless, was a totalitarian leader. Uh, he eventually gets ousted, as we know, during the so-called uh, Arab Spring. And uh, this is applauded much by the administration, that we see the deposing of this dictator and the idea of uh, true democracy now coming to um, Egypt. And yet, instead, we instead what we've really seen is, is the overtaking of that nation by the, the, the Islamists. Uh, we've seen better than 80% elected to the parliament there. It is just within the last um, several weeks, for example, uh, there in Egypt, that some 3,000 Coptic Christians uh, were driven from their homes and villages, businesses burned down, churches burned down, uh, and yet the international media, uh, let alone the administration, has nothing to say about this. Nothing whatsoever. In fact, the general guide of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood, Muhammad Badir, who laid out his vision for the post-revolutionary era in Egypt, while revealing aspects of the strategy uh, to his followers, showed a great deal of uh, how to combat secularism. In fact, they're reversing secularism in Egypt. In fact, I quote him verbatim. I translated it. It was translated from the Arabic. He says, Do not fight in the ways of the world, because they are overpowering, but try to overcome and use them, change their course, and pit some of them against the other. It's a master scheme of reversing secularism in Egypt and advancing Islamist cause and saying that the Muslims now need to kind of join in with secularists in order to pit uh, people against each other and change the course of the situation in Egypt. Uh, when Badir says to overcome and use the ways of the world, he is instructing Muslims worldwide on how to overcome Western secularism. It was precisely this purpose for which the Muslim Brotherhood advanced a new doctrine called Muruna, M-U-R-U-N-A, which Americans and Westerners 
fairly are accustomed to. It was prescribed by Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, the main Muslim Brotherhood intellect, and what its goal is to basically sanction all Islamic prohibitions. In other words, we're talking about Sharia laws, despite the Sharia laws is really in contrary to our Constitution. Uh, now, certain Sharia laws that basically protect uh, human beings for surviving or protects or even san- uh, prohibits Muslims in working in banks are all permitted. Now, uh, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood has, has an injunction to allow the killing uh, of even Muslims in Western countries. Uh, if they are shielded by Western society, it's okay. As long as you kill the Americans, you kill the Muslims in, in, in the process, that's fine. I could go through all kinds of documents and all kinds of issues here, uh, but Americans need to begin to understand the deception factor that the Muslim Brotherhood is applying with Maruna, in which they reverse uh, all uh, laws, even in Sharia, to make permitted, to permit the Muslims from uh, carrying out evil acts. In fact, I could give the quotes uh, to show what this plan is all about. Let me have you pause at that point. I want to have you share uh, that, if you would, Wally, but do so uninterrupted. So let's do this. Let's get an update on traffic real quick here, get a look at some headline news. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Wally Shobot, my guest, as we're talking about... uh, the, the deception plan uh, underway in Egypt. And I tell you, we got a lot to be concerned about, folks. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to our conversation. Walid Shobat, my guest. Walid, if you're not familiar with his work in ministry, is a former Palestinian terrorist and um, joins us now as we're talking about uh, what's been going on with the changes uh, since the fall of the Mubarak regime in uh, Egypt last year. Uh, there had been so much hope of the so-called Arab Spring, but yet, as we've seen, nation after nation in that region, Tunisia and Libya and Egypt and so on, fall. Uh, we're beginning to find out that this Arab Spring is turning into the Islamic winter. Talk a bit about um, what you were sharing just before the break, Walid, and that is uh, this tactic that's being used by the Muslim Brotherhood that has gained so much power, almost 75-80% of the seats in the Egyptian parliament now under their control. Uh, what exactly are they up to right now, and, and what's going on with the changes in relationship to Sharia law there? Well, it is actually a tactic titled Maruna. M, like Mary, U-R-U-N-A. In fact, people could look it up and look at my research by just plugging my name, Shubat and Maruna. It was a doctrine that was prescribed by, by none other than Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, who's the main Muslim Brotherhood intellect. He initiated the doctrine in December, as far back as 1989, December. While in, he was in the, while in the United States, even during an annual conference with the Association of the Muslim Youth Forum, with Muhammad Hamidi, who, by the way, is a leading rebel in Libya, who participated heavily in the Arab Spring. Hamidi is also the head of the Muslim Brotherhood in Mauritania. So the idea of Muruna is really to pull the wool, pull the, you know, uh, deceive the West in talking about this whole idea of Arab and all of these things, when in fact it is an Islamic spring, and the doctrine really aspires for deception against the West. 
the doctrine really is a, was a long-term plan. Uh, it should be very great interest to every American. In, in, in what the forum termed the priorities of the Islamic movement in the next three decades, from 1990 to 2020, they plan to attain what they described as what they called the goal of the Islamic movement, which confirms the general leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, Badir, which he made it recently, the statement that uh, they want to basically uh, uh, have Egypt come back and change the society, and I quote it verbatim, to lead society, all of society, to bring back the caliphate to announce jihad, either by arms or by pen or, or by heart. And they talk about global takeover of the world. Muruna was designed to catapult and advance Sharia by using Western means. And if one thinks that Sharia, with its harsh code, is problematic enough, how about the elimination of the kinder, gentler laws of Sharia? Muruna is literally accomplished by permitting behavior normally is, in, uh, is chewed by the Sharia law itself, that Westerners logically see more moderate version of Islam. When such prohibitions are suddenly permitted, uh, you, be you begin to see uh, a change in the Muslim world. Westerners, you know, in fact, uh, are being deceived. Muruna is about going to great lengths to gain interest through uh, a much deeper level of deception, while simultaneously lowering the guard and gaining the support of the, what they call the infidels. Uh, in fact, uh, the series of preparing the atmosphere under the, uh, what they call the workings of Asia, which is inclusion and Muruna, which is flexibility in this case. And this is the quote that they have in their law, in this doctrine verbatim, translated into English. It says, Sharia's ability to be flexible and inclusive is that it cares for their needs while excusing the burdens Muslims have to endure. For the sake of their destiny, it was made lawful for them to have exceptions from the law that are appropriate for them since these exceptions match their general goals to make it easy for humanity. By removing the chains of Sharia law, they were made to adhere in previous Sharia rulings. In other words, let's make null and void Sharia laws that prohibits the Muslim from doing certain things well, by befriending the unbelievers, working in banking, a Muslim girl uh, now is allowed to marry a non-Muslim in the West, as we've seen with the case of Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin, which her mother, Saliha Abedin, was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, this is why I began to investigate this whole issue. That story then raised a red flag. How could it be possible that Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi of the Muslim Brotherhood allows such a marriage when in Islam it's prohibited. In fact, it, it mandates the death penalty. So the West in this case sees, wow, look, the Muslim Brotherhood has moderated when nothing of the such. It is really a ruse in order to basically put spies in the West. This is, this, is, this is really infiltration, what we're talking about here then. Exactly what it is. In fact, it's infiltration to the point that all the Islamic injunctions all the uh, prohibitions have been made to be uh, uh, sanctified. In fact, I can uh, give one quote that basically puts an end to the argument. Uh, and this quote from Muruna Doctrine by the Muslim Brotherhood, it states, I quote, When evil and harm conflict as necessities demand, we must then choose the least of the two evils or harms. 
This is what the experts in jurisprudence decided. If interests and harms and evils conflict or benefits conflict with evils, what is then to be decided is to review each benefit and each evil and its consequences so the minor evils are forgiven for the sake of the greater long-term benefit. In fact, I add what they have stated here, which is more extreme. He said, they say, the evil is, so, uh, is also accepted even if that evil is extreme and normally considered deplorable. In other words, deplorable evils now are permitted in Islam in order to carry out these interests for the Muslim Brotherhood. Wow. Let's pause on that point. We're going to come back. I mean, this again, you talk about the frog and the kettle approach, this notion of temporary setting aside of some aspects of Sharia law, as Wally Chilbot is suggesting, uh, in order to allow Islam greater ability to penetrate uh, Western life, uh, all with the idea in mind of not becoming a you know, friendlier, uh, uh, newer version of Islam, but rather... Uh, in order to penetrate to have greater influence uh, with a goal in mind of, of uh, doing just that, and that is the changing of our culture and our society. This is serious stuff. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. His latest best-selling book, God's War on Terror, former Palestinian terrorist Walid Shobat. Back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation tonight with Waleed Chilbot. Waleed is uh, formerly involved with the PLO. Uh, he, of anybody in this country, understands exactly what is going on with the so-called Arab Spring, which for many is turning into an Islamic winter. We're talking about the Islamic Brotherhood, or the, or the Muslim Brotherhood, rather, uh, their impact on Middle Eastern politics, most specifically what they've done in Egypt and other parts of the world. And it's interesting because when you talk, Walid, about the degree of uh, the Muruna uh, deception here, uh, this goes to the highest levels. There are reports that we have read uh, during the fall of regimes in Libya with Gaddafi and in Egypt with Mubarak that the influence of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, has been lauded as, quote, mostly or largely secular, and that they have been considered heroes uh, in opening a pathway toward democracy. But is this the case? That's absolutely false. It's not true. The uh, Nahda in Tunisia is very much pro-Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, in fact, in all these countries, they're talking about advancing towards Jerusalem, which has nothing to do with any Arab Spring. If the idea is to topple uh, all Arab regimes and uh, uh, do away with nationalism altogether for the sake of an Islamic utopia. Uh, all the statements coming out of all the Middle Eastern uh, uh, countries that topple their regimes, they're talking about advancing Sharia law. They're talking about a utopian uh, conquest of Islam. Uh, in fact, many who are astute to Islamic lying, I'm sure you've heard of the term taqiyya, which uh, allows Islamists to lie, but this is much greater. Uh, with Muruna and the Muslim Brotherhood and advancement of what's happening in the Arab Spring, 
what was uh, once forbidden by Sharia, from major crimes like Muslims killing Muslims, to issues of interest banking that include alliances with infidels, was made temporarily now lawful by Muruna. In fact, I give the exact quote. The, the, the Muruna doctrine states, it is permissible then to have alliances with powers that are non-Muslim. They ask the question, can Muslims work in banks that practice usury? For the young Muslims, they should not leave their jobs in banks and insurance agencies, despite that their work is evil, since their experience in these agencies would gain experience for what would benefit the Muslim commerce. Whoever examines the issues in the light of the doctrine of a balance, that is Maruna, would find that entry into these arenas is not merely a project, but a preference and a duty. In other words, it is really asking all Muslim communities to infiltrate the West, to infiltrate the banking systems. In fact, even the issues when it comes to the right to life, the individual right to life, can be eliminated under this new law, uh, under the section titled The Necessities of the Group. Qaradawi explains that, and I quote, uh, uh, as Sharia considers the individual needs, it permits many prohibitions and considers the necessities of the community. Qaradawi is not short of examples and even commands the killing of Muslims whom the unbelievers use as shields, since leaving these unbelievers is a danger to the Muslims. So it is permissible to kill these unbelievers, even if they killed Muslims uh, in the process. So death, mayhem, and even prostitution is sanctioned by the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, in fact, that's a topic that it will open the Western eyes about sanctioning prostitution. Because even in Iran, when they sanction the idea of pleasure marriage, I'm sure you've heard of pleasure marriages in Iran, but how many Americans are familiar with misyar marriage, in which um, middlemen can seal uh, deals with Muslim male clients uh, in order to obtain a Muslim woman under a contract called marriage contract for simply giving sexual services? In fact, you can access it yourself on the Internet. For Internet-savvy travelers, there are countless websites like misyar online, M-E-S-I-A-R, online, one word, that allow men to arrange these marriages globally, including in the United States, from the comfort of their hotel rooms, in order to basically uh, bring these women for their pleasure marriages, and it's not really a marriage, because the prostitution document says it's a marriage document. Misyar, in fact, was made legal in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, made legal, sanctioned. It is law now in Egypt and Saudi Arabia to commit these acts of whoredom. Uh, Sunnis who approve Misyar condemn, of course, the Shiites for Muta, yet they have the same things. What the West needs to understand is that all these things about the Shiites with uh, uh, taqiyya, lying to the enemy, or pleasure marriages, are same, sanctioned in the Sunni world as well, and made lawful in the Sunni world. And in the end, all of this comes down to the matter of, of deception for the purpose of infiltration, and, and once they're able to penetrate Waleed, what becomes the agenda then? Well, the agenda, we've seen it. The penetration already happened, you know. Uh, it's been going on for many years. You have Rashad Hussein, who writes the speech for President Obama. I mean, Americans ought to wake up. I look at the Arabic language. 
and I see interview between Rashad Hussein, the speechwriter of President Obama, and when he made the speech in Egypt, I could see the interview in Al-Ahram newspaper in Arabic language, in which the editor is asking him, when is the time that you will intervene in the issues of nuclear issues with Iran, and so on and so forth. And of course, Rashad Hussein, the speechwriter of President Obama, says that I will intervene when the time is right. It's all about timing. It's all about when they gain the foothold in the West by the time they fight people like me and you and all these people who begin to expose the issues. You could see much of the media talking about anti-Semitism, not that uh, there is uh, uh, racism against Jews, but anti-Semitism is being coined to talk about racism with Muslims when, in fact, there is no such thing. Look, America is a country that talks about racism more than any other country in the world. Yet the United States exercises the least amount of racism than any other country in the world. How does the Muslim make the argument that America commits racism against Muslims when the majority of racism that still exists, even in this country, is against Jews? So, you know, this is part of the deception. The beginning, they want to also put in code laws that basically prohibits the freedom of speech in America, in which the Organization of Islamic Council mandated the trial uh, of... Uh, uh, anyone who says anything against Islam or even critiques Islam to basically even face trial in the Middle East. So if, the, if that happens, that means people like myself and even your own program will be under scrutiny and our freedoms are gone. Uh, so all our forefathers, what they bled and fought for, is for, for, for nil. And this is what the goal is, to take away the freedom of Americans and begin the process of the Islamization of the world. Of course, we know that it's taking place literally right underneath our noses. Get more information, by the way, uh, online at Waleed's website, Shobat, it's S-H-O-E-B-A-T, Shobat.com. His latest book is entitled God's War on Terror. Information again on the website at Shobat.com or through Amazon.com. And Waleed, always a delight and an education to have you with us, brother. We appreciate your time today. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We have covered the story in recent days of the attempt by the Board of Supervisors, I'd always kind of a Freudian slip there, uh, the Board of Supervisors in the city of San Francisco to attempt to sue a crisis pregnancy center there on the grounds that they're not really giving women full options when it comes to choices in dealing with unwanted pregnancies. As if somehow Planned Parenthood does. <laughs> I mean, folks, let's face it. Abortion, in the end, is about eliminating an inconvenience in a very convenient, although ghastly, fashion. And for the purveyors, providers, and so-called doctors that perform these procedures, it's about making money. Making a lot of money. And so, as much as I find it an oddity that the San Francisco City Board of Supervisors would want to sue a crisis pregnancy center for claiming that because they don't actually offer abortions in addition to their pro-life counseling, that therefore they somehow are amiss in giving the whole story, how interesting that is juxtaposed against the notion that 
there's an issue here, too, of uh, extreme coercion in many of the cases of abortion that we see. And, you know, what's curious is that this coercion can take place in the form of a boyfriend that's insisting upon it. Uh, The coercion can even come from organizations like Planned Parenthood, who perhaps not overtly, but at least covertly, coerce a woman into having an abortion. Joining me now with more comment on this is Ken Cathella. Ken is a pro-life advocate and uh, former host of CBS News Talk Powerhouse WCCO in Minnesota and uh, joins us now, by the way, also a conference and retreat presenter for Ruth Graham and Friends and joins us now by phone. And Kim, great to have you on the show. Nice to speak with you again, Craig. I um, always enjoy uh, talking with you. And we talk about wanting some sunshine on this topic. And earlier tonight, I was commenting on the fact that there is uh, one state that's now finally looking at the possibility of its Supreme Court allowing a law that had been voted in back in 1995 to finally see the light of day, that at the very least would require notification to parents when their underage teenage daughters wish to subject themselves to this oftentimes dangerous and always invasive procedure called abortion. And as much as I think we need light or sunshine in that case, maybe here too, the notion that in many cases for many women, even just the way the quote-unquote options are couched by organizations like Planned Parenthood and other purveyors of abortion turns out to not really be an option at all, but very thinly veiled coercion, uh, is it not? Well, I think it, uh, yes, and it, it exposes a real weakness in the thinking of those who are uh, still subscribing to a rad- radical feminist worldview. They cannot pretend that they are <laughs> defending women by the position that they've taken on this issue of violence, which is now well documented, that uh, murder is the leading cause of death for pregnant women. That article was written in by the Associated Press, mainstream media, in 2003. You can still find it posted on the National Organization for Women website. There's no argument in their mind that women are vulnerable to violence. Uh, they don't seem to connect the dots between uh, well, let's see, if a man wants his partner to abort and takes her down to Planned Parenthood or wherever he takes her, and uh, she cooperates, uh, maybe she won't be subject to violence, but what happens if she says no? Um, there have been over 1,300 deaths as documented now as a result of you know women standing up to their partner and saying no, she would not go along with his wish for abortion. And it's cost women their lives. That's why there are 35 states that have fetal homicide laws because of this violence uh, that women suffer. And and it's not that much of a leap to say that it's the same mindset that says, well, if I can force her to have an abortion, I will, and if I can't, I'll, I'll take some other measure to avoid becoming a father. I'm not painting all men with that brush, but, I mean, this has been documented, again, the Washington Post has written on this almost 10 years ago, the Associated Press, ABC News, A&E. I'm not talking about you know, pro-life or biased, right-slanted media. I'm talking about you know, the, uh, just national organizations that have uh, the public safety issue in mind. Well, we even saw some of this come out in some of the the under um, sort of the underground work that's been done uh, by those that have gone in with under uh, undercover cameras and have found out that here they are sometimes uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood making recommendations for abortions to underage girls where it is revealed that the father 
is actually over the age of 18, and therefore it's actually a case of statutory rape. And rather than bringing that to the light of day so that justice might be done, instead helping to cover it all up. In the state of Wisconsin, they're proposing legislation which would just be, uh, Craig, they were just, uh, they're asking for a screening question, that if a physician has uh, a thought that a woman might not be there voluntarily, the new legislation would say that uh, physicians could tell patients that they have the right to consent or refuse abortion, and that consent is not voluntary, quote, if anyone is coercing her against her will, uh, that that is an unlawful uh, abortion, that that it cannot be done without her voluntary consent. And, you know, the, of course, the Young Progressives Issues Organization, uh, which calls themselves, I think, the official Obama for America team for the University of Wisconsin-Madison, is pushing back against this legislation. Why in the world would you care if a physician wanted to offer a woman protection who is actually being coerced? Uh, it, it, they, they hide behind this idea that they're protecting reproductive freedom by preventing women from being asked if they fear for their lives. Well, now hang on a minute here. Protecting, protecting reproductive freedom. Okay, we are in a country that since 1973, when the Roe versus Wade decision came down, has aborted upwards, last numbers I saw, rough numbers, about 50 million babies. We're talking about roughly twice the population of the state of California uh, in 40-something years. It, it doesn't seem to me that there's some huge risk to abortion ceasing in America right now. now. Let me quickly add, this isn't to say that those of us in the pro-life movement haven't done a great job in reducing abortions, to be sure. But this notion that, that they're arguing that we, we can't allow a physician or, or a screening question to include whether or not a woman feels that she's been forced, coerced, or given simply a lack of options uh, in the screening process as somehow threatening uh, free abortion in America, that just doesn't seem to square with the facts. Well, and I think, Craig, from a person who's experienced this um, dilemma, which is uh, that word doesn't even begin to capture, uh, young women are, feel that their future is threatened oftentimes when they you know, are confronted with an untimely or unplanned pregnancy. They were not planning on motherhood. They were not planning to pursue this particular relationship they're in for the rest of their lives. They feel as though their life is coming to an end because of this pregnancy. And uh, the abortion advocates are well aware of that fear. And they're very much, I think, exploiting it in the way that they handle uh, this legislation and others like it that, uh, you know, people are, are proposing in order to protect women. Uh, when they say the actual quote from the Young Progressives, um, and this was in uh, the local Madison newspaper, um, uh, the, the, the representative was uh, Fiona Cahill, who said, well, this bill uh, is eerily similar. You, you get it? It's, we're all supposed to be, I mean, they know women are already afraid, but it's eerily similar to legislation proposed in Michigan indicating a wider agenda of denying women access to reproductive care. Well, what in the world? Uh, no, they're saying while she's there receiving reproductive care, let's find out if she wants care rather than an abortion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous for them to position themselves as having any sort of advocacy for women in the position they're taking on this, and yet they would tell you that this is a feminist 
agenda item. Well, and again, this is this is covered by so many so many acts of uh, false piety. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's it would make one blush the whole notion here that any of this is being done because they're trying to protect a woman's right to choose, help women in a crisis situation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nonsense. The bulk of the agenda is making money and making more of it, and quite often they could care less, which is again the reason why even the most gentle, benign of attempts to try and truly paint a broader picture or truly make certain that not only does a woman have the totality of the information of the options open to her, but then to also assure that this is really her decision and that she's been given all the information necessary in order to make the right decision. Uh, I mean, who who's being honest and sincere in demonstrating concern for women would not stand behind something like that and I, that's why this this whole uh, you know uh, na- right to choose notion is nonsense because that's nothing more than a red herring oftentimes there is no choice a woman comes in and says uh, I found myself I'm late I think I'm pregnant we do a pregnancy test uh, gosh you know I'm still in school I'm not married my boyfriend's kind of flaky etc etc well here are your options this is the time the clinic is available this is when we can schedule the abortion there's no discussion in any of the other options whatsoever up to and including even the moral question. You get a greater option when it comes to going to the dentist and deciding whether to have a root canal done or not than you do in a case like this. Let's take a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. i got to cool off here and tend to get a bit wound up on this topic for obvious reasons. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.